the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci, and I'm so glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program that where we typically take your calls and we answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews. We talk about world religions. We talk about the past, which includes the subject of history. We talk about prophecy, which in part includes the subject of the future. And we typically talk about current events. But from time to time, we have authors, artists, guests who are making a difference in the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And joining me is Dr. Doug Groteis. He's been a frequent guest on the program. He's agreed to come on and uh, spend a little time with us on this free-for-all Friday. Dr. Doug Groteis, welcome to the program. Thank you. I waive, I waive my typical $5,000. Yes, and I am you, so glad that you've waived your typical <laughs> you know, $5,000 fee. I, I don't want anybody to take that seriously because no, I no. want gigs, and they're thinking we can't yes. afford them, so that's a joke. You know, uh, there was an interesting thing. I had Doug Grisham at the church, and I don't know if you know who he is. He's, I do. He, you know, he's the uh, stepson of C.S. Right. Lewis, Joy. and he came and mm-hmm. spoke here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were t- talking about the movie that was just released, Walden's uh, Narnia series. And he became the inheritor, if you will, mm-hmm. of C.S. Lewis's estate and intellectual property. And he was a, an interesting character. I've met him. He is interesting. And um, a lady came up to him at the church and and said, I would love it if you would speak at my brother-in-law's church on the East Coast. And he just looked at him and smiled and said, oh, ma'am. He said, I'm fairly certain he wouldn't be able to afford me. <laughs> but having said that, that... Well, we'll pay your expenses and give yeah, you a couple meals. Why yes, not? no, it, 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 yeah, it was, it was great having him. We, we had a wonderful conversation. But it, it actually sort of dovetails into what we were going to talk about this hour, uh, about the occult and what, what you, you uh, at your website, um, you, you posted an article. I think you also did it on Twitter, which was now also X, on a um, on an article by Patricia Patnode on soft occultism, and of course, the occult and the supernatural was something that you had a fascination for early on in your Christian investigation. From what I know about you, I remember there was a journey that you took from atheism maybe a soft atheism to a harder agnosticism, which led to becoming a Christ follower. Right. And so at that point, um, you gave way, not just existentially by experience in the belief in the supernatural, but fundamentally when Jesus became a part of your life, 
it caused you to rethink all of reality and whether or not the supernat and how mm-hmm. we think about the supernatural. Right. So, so what I what I wanted to begin with is a definition of the occult. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 are some of the ways to think about that word mm-hmm. and in, in order to have a conversation? Right. Well. Generically, the word occult means secret or hidden. So there's such a thing as an occult blood test, which has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the occult in terms right. of uh, magic or spells or divination. But if you talk about occultism, it is the attempt to find secret knowledge and wisdom in ways that the Holy Scriptures forbid. Mm-hmm. So we're talking here about things like divination, sorcery, contacting the dead, which is called necromancy. And there are a number of scriptures about this. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 has a very long statement against all the practices of the occult. It says, let no one be found among you who who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Some translations say abominable. Right, which is, abomination, which, which is, is bad. Yes. Which seems to be in the Hebrew the strongest word that you yes. can use to describe revulsion. Right, exactly. And then it says, because of these same practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. So they were engaged in these things. Mm-hmm. So God's chosen people must not. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. So that's Deuteronomy 18, uh, 10 through 13. And there are many other passages, but uh, you and I have been teaching the Bible and defending the Bible, and we know about the occult and world religions and so on. So we've been on the scene for a long time. And my first couple books had to do with the New Age movement. And people involved with New Age spirituality are very interested in channeling, divination, trying to find their potential within themselves, mm-hmm. maybe contacting spirit beings. And something I've noticed over the years and why this article caught my attention was it seems like the basic occult worldview, which is we are part of this universal energy and we can tap into it to find power and wisdom and we can maybe contact spiritual beings who are mm-hmm. on a higher level of illumination than we are. This belief seems to be almost the background assumption to many Mm -hmm. people today. So this article said, it's not people that are necessarily dedicated to a witchcraft coven or to a satanic group or something or a spiritist church or something, but it seems to be this basic idea that many people now have. So she says in the article, within soft occultism, we become the main characters. We feel that we can uncover hidden knowledge of ourselves. We can better understand our true nature if we only surrender our souls to personality quizzes and horoscope apps, you know, and that's a form of divination scripture condemns astrology. Mm -hmm. So she goes on. These tools offer us assistance in navigating daily life, replacing or largely supplanting or supplementing Get this, surrender and devotion to a particular God. Yes, yeah, see, this is what's interesting. You, I think you hit the nail on the head with the article because that was, that was one of the things that I found fascinating, that the occult isn't something dark, mysterious, hidden out there. It's something dark, 
hidden mysterious in here. Mm-hmm. So to to that quote, she's saying, I want to find out hidden things about myself. I want to find out mm-hmm. hidden things about myself. Right. And again, from the putting on your philosopher's hat for a moment. It's always on, Gina. Okay, it's always on. So so you've got your philosopher's hat on. <laughs> yes, I do. Right, right. And so when a person makes a statement like that, do you automatically or, or, or think about, you know, an assertion isn't isn't evidence of something. In other words, when, when people just simply come to that decision almost without thinking through the consequences, what 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 are your thoughts on right. people who just simply say, I actually believe that there are hidden things about myself, mm-hmm. that there are apps or uh, methodologies or access to spirit beings that can tell me things about myself that I, I couldn't know myself? Right. Well, there is a spiritual world that is often invisible. So the Bible says that, God is the ultimate spirit, the creator, designer, lawgiver of the world. He inspired the scripture. But there are other spiritual beings. In fact, we are spiritual beings. We have souls that are not identical to our bodies. Uh, Otherwise, we couldn't think. We couldn't reason and so on. But there is a dark side of the spiritual world. There are demons in the spiritual world, and that's where we have to be very careful if we engage the spiritual And that's part of what we're going to talk about when we come back. My guest, Dr. Doug Groteis, we're talking about what we're calling soft occultism. It was an article that was posted by Patricia Patnode, and um, we'll be back. This is Gino Geraci. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number, well, I was, we're not taking calls right now, but maybe we'll, we will a little bit later on with Dr. Doug Groteis. We've been talking about the occult. And we, you know, we were talking about an article called Soft Occultism, and we didn't really get a chance to literally maybe have a a, a conversation about the definition, hidden, secret, mysterious, uh, supernatural practices versus what this author calls soft occultism. Do you think um, that it merits... A, a, a different definition as far as conversation goes. The occult is the occult is the mm-hmm. occult, but is there a kind of a soft occultism? Obviously, this person right. is making reference to, is there a difference between hard occultism and soft occultism? Well, all the occult is a dangerous zone. You want to stay away from mm-hmm. it. So even a horoscope app, that's not something you should get involved with at all because Scripture forbids it. Any form of divination, which is a way to gain supernatural knowledge about yourself or about the future, has to be avoided. And the reason it is to be avoided is that we have a reliable guide to who we are, who God is, uh, the past and the future in Holy Scripture. And as I was saying before we went to the break, the Bible tells us that there are entities who are fallen supernatural beings, demons, fallen Mm -hmm. angels, Uh, They're limited. They're not gods or goddesses, but they exist, and they have the ability to influence the physical and mental world. So that's why Paul in Ephesians 6 says, uh, we don't wage war as the world does, so you need to put on the full armor of God, which is essentially 
believe the truth of God, be filled with the Spirit, and be ready to use Scripture against evil, as Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. You know, in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the devil tries to distort Scripture, and Jesus comes back with the right understanding of Scripture. So even if you call it soft occultism, it's still dangerous, and that could very easily be the gateway drug into the harder core kind of occultism, trying to contact spirit beings or casting spells or things like that. So you want to avoid it just entirely. So clearly the Bible gives strong prohibitions. Mm-hmm. It gives strong prohibitions, not not just a, a sort of a, a, a soft warning, but a strong right. warning. Right. And then in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, um, Paul, writing to Timothy, says, Now the Holy Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Right. And so apparently one of the strong prohibitions is the danger of deception. Right. And so people have speculated, clearly um, false teachers say false things, but in the supernatural realm, people claim that they have the ability to communicate with disembodied spirits or spirit beings. Or angels. Or angels. Right. Do you think mm-hmm. that's possible? Well, it's possible that you would have some kind of communicative contact with a disembodied spiritual being. Mm-hmm. And that being is either going to be an angel that's unfallen or a fallen angel who is a demon And biblically, we're never to seek out interaction in communication with angels. They appear in Scripture. uh, They are assigned to us to protect us. There's some texts on that in Psalm 91.6, Psalm 34.7. But you don't want to go beyond what Scripture says about angelology, really. We're not to consult Mm -hmm. holy angels to help us. You might pray, God, send your angels to protect me or, or guide me, but... The fall, the fallen angels, the demons, inspire false religion, mm-hmm. false spirituality, and they have certain powers. We know in the ministry of Jesus that he freed people from possession, demonic possession. So biblically, the term is really demonization. There are degrees mm-hmm. of demonization. If someone's totally taken over, like Legion in the Gospels, who had many demons, uh, that's extreme demonization. They're actually possessed. But... There, is, there are degrees of demonization, and basically you want to put on the full armor of God, know the Scriptures, walk in the Spirit, be prayed up, so that if you have to deal with a demonic influence, and you do, even when you're doing good ministry, Paul had to deal with demons in his ministry. If you right. have to deal with that, you can approach it, first of all, by identifying the error, not believing a doctrine of demons as first... Uh, what do you say? First Timothy, First Timothy four. four one. Yeah. yeah, doctrines of demons. Don't believe it, and then resist it. You know, take up the shield of faith and uh, the breastplate of righteousness, and so on. That that uh, Ephesians six ten through twenty talks about. Now, one of the interesting things that you've written about in the past is your own journey from a kind of a secessionist position um, to a more um, 
robust view of non-secessionism that that apparently there are supernatural gifts. Mm-hmm. There's a supernatural God who works through a supernatural Holy Spirit, and that there seems to be a, a an appropriate biblical place for the supernatural in the life of the believer. Right. What at what point do you have sort of a caution or a red flag? where you go, I believe that God by his Holy Spirit has the power to communicate, but at what point do you think that Christians might be dangerously mm-hmm. close to participating in the occult? Well, anytime you claim new revelations from mm-hmm. God that contradict the Bible, then you know that's not the Holy Spirit, because mm-hmm. Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He says that three times in John fourteen, fifteen, and 16. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit inspired the human writers to write the Bible. So the Holy Spirit now is not going to say something against what he said through the biblical writers. That's a clear indication right there. And it doesn't matter what phenomena are associated with it. Mm -hmm. You reject what's unbiblical. Now, when I think of the supernatural work of the Spirit, you might be thinking of healing. Mm -hmm. And I pray for people to be healed. Uh, We need a good theology of healing. We also need a good theology of suffering because God doesn't always answer those prayers. And I've written and spoken about that. Right. But any phenomena that contradicts Scripture or any phenomena that really goes against good common sense, uh, where people claim that they've gotten revelations from God about things, and you think, uh, how does that really benefit the church? How does that extend the kingdom? Is there any good evidential basis for it? Because mm-hmm. sadly, there are hucksters out there. You know, there mm-hmm. are teachers and preachers and self-proclaimed prophets that make things up or fake things. So we need to be very careful. I, I'm very open to the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of, of healing and directing and prophecy in the sense of God having a specific word for someone in a particular setting, not in terms of adding to the Bible, right. not in terms of contradicting the Bible. And uh, someone might have an insight. Paul talks about words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I've experienced that a few times myself. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I have to have these on a regular basis to walk with the Lord. And it seems to me that the that this idea that the Bible talks about, the discerning of spirits, mm-hmm. it isn't just... It isn't just demonic spirits versus angelic spirits or even supernatural. Dare I use the term supernatural? Because human beings are spirit beings. Mm -hmm. And so it seems to me that this idea of discerning of spirits is also the ability to tell whether or not a human being is saying something that's Mm -hmm. true or false. Oh, sure. First John 4, 1 through 6 starts out with test the, test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. And it's not whether or not you have a warm, fuzzy feeling about it. It has to do with Christology. If any spirit says Jesus has not come in the flesh, they are not from God and they are a false teacher and a false prophet. Yeah, the test seems to be what does the spirit say about Jesus? Right. And I think that's everything about Jesus. Right. Yeah. My guest, Dr. Doug Grotice, this is Gino Geraci. We're talking about, well, the occult. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, welcome back. I'm talking with Dr. Doug Grotice. And, of course, we're talking about the occult. And what seems like a lifetime ago, Doug, you wrote a book called um, Confronting the New Age. Mm-hmm. 
And at that time, um, it was a fairly robust um, issue about, you know, we were singing when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, sure. peace will guide the, the planets and love will steer the stars. There, wa- there was mm-hmm. a, a sense that the supernatural was probably real. And a lot of people thought that they could access the supernatural. And, and you've talked about the, the Bible's warnings. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you do in, in your, your two books on, on uh, confronting the new age and the other book, you, you talk about what seems to be the message. Um, so it, it, it was interesting to me that whether you're talking about new age UFO, UFO cults, other kinds of occultic practices of divination, um, you know, other, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of other kinds of cults that, that focus on the unseen world. But the messages that they seem to get from these demonic spirits and the messages always seem to uniformly deny historical mm-hmm. biblical Christianity. Oh, that's right. In fact, I've written about mediumship or what's called channeling. Mm -hmm. And that was in another one of my books. It was called Revealing the New Age Jesus. And then it was republished in a different form called uh, Jesus in an Age of Controversy. Mm -hmm. So I had a whole chapter on what do the channelers say about Jesus. Right. And guess what? None of them present the gospel and all of them contradict the gospel and give us false teachings. Isn't that interesting that any time supposedly there's a new revelation from a spirit or an angel or even God himself about Jesus, it always contradicts what's in the Gospels. Exactly. It's interesting that that whatever's true about anything, the Bible gets it wrong according to these spirit beings. Right. Yeah, I remember reading one. I'd have to go back and look at my own books about this, but one of these spirits said, now you can't believe Paul, that teaching about you're saved by faith alone. You have, you can't believe that. That's not true. You have to evolve to higher levels. Something like that, mm-hmm. you know, some metaphysical uh, BS, let's say. But I have never found a book that claims to be new, new revelation from the supernatural that agrees with Scripture. So test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. And the test has to do with Jesus, whether or not he's come in the flesh. And for John, that doesn't just mean, was he a material being? It means John's whole theology of the incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory. He has made the Father known. He lived a life for us. He died on the cross to atone for our sin. You know, there was an interesting um, statement that's made in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 6 through 10. It was an incident involving Paul and Barnabas in the early days, and it mm-hmm. says they traveled through the whole island till they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that was his name, it means, um, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from faith. Then Saul, who was then also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, 
you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now, what I was thinking about that, Mm -hmm. Doug, is the accusation that we're a little too hard on our uh, on, on the on the on the people mm-hmm. who teach false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a powerful passage, and I have preached on that and taught on that and written on that literally for thirty years because right. you have all these principles of engaging the spiritual world. There, uh, you find out that Paul and Barnabas and John Mark were sent out by the church. Mm-hmm. They have the backing of the church. They're preaching the word of God. Paul's filled with the Spirit, and he encounters opposition, and he stands up to the opposition. In fact, the man, the sorcerer, is blinded for a time, Mm -hmm. and he's groping around, and they preach the gospel to Sergius Paulus, and he becomes a Christian. So I've never had an encounter that direct, but I have had times in my ministry where I know that I've been called to teach and preach and communicate the truth of Christianity in apologetics and evangelism, and something happens that would deter me or throw Mm -hmm. me off the scent. And what I try to do is just press on Mm -hmm. and keep going and keep writing the book, keep preaching the sermon, keep going to communicate the message. That, That passage, Acts 13, 1 through 12, has been very significant in my life. So we have to call things out. It doesn't mean if you're talking to somebody involved with the occult, you say, you're a child of the devil and you're an enemy of everything that's right. But we do need to show people that there's such a thing as spiritual truth and there's such a thing as the counterfeit. Yeah, I think, and you brought up two of those things. In that passage, it says they're false prophets in verse Mm 6. They deny the basic doctrines of Christianity, the deity of Christ, the fall of man, sin, heaven, hell, salvation, the atoning work of Christ. Um, Second, they seek to influence other people, particularly those in positions of power, to turn them from the faith, which is interesting to me that the focus on the wicked false teachers and false prophets are what we might say in the modern age are influencers. Influencers. A lot of them are. And the third thing was... um, they do everything in their power to keep the true gospel of Christ from being spread, opposing his ministers at every turn, verse 8. And so when the truth of the gospel is curtailed, watered down, or flatly rejected, there seems to be a supernatural demonic rejoicing Mm. because these angelic, I'm going to use the term demonic spirits, literally operate to oppose the plan of God. That's it. That's right. Exactly. We see that throughout scripture. Right. So there is uh, what Barnhouse wrote a book many years ago called Invisible the War. Invisible World. So there's an invisible, oh, the invisible con- war. Yeah, war. There's an invisible conflict going on all around us. And that's why we need to know what the truth is, be filled with the spirit of truth, have the scripture as the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6. So when you have strange thoughts or bizarre things are happening or you're presented with a teaching that's against Scripture, you can identify it, stand with the Lord, in the Lord, and then stand against these things. And it doesn't have to be as direct as what Paul did, although it could be in some situation 
the Holy Spirit could lead you to rebuke someone so they're not going to get in the way of the gospel. That could happen. But it should be our basic attitude of life, of our soul. You know, there was an interesting incident that took place in Iowa a few weeks back, actually in the month of December, where a man was confronted a, yeah. a statue of Baphomet. He literally chopped its head off, threw it in the garbage, mm-hmm. swept up after himself, turned himself into the security, and he was charged with a third-degree misdemeanor. But mm-hmm. now he's been charged with a hate crime. Yeah. It's a hate crime. Well, you could come he, after me, too, because I hate Satan. Right, right. So <laughs> he, No, but, but think about that. Yeah. I mean, I know you have thought about it. What do yeah. you do living in a world where hating Satan and and the satanic infiltration, perversion, and poison mm. becomes a secular crime. Well, it shows how far gone we are, really. <laughs> so we have to follow God and speak the truth and love to everybody we can and realize we are in a battle, and that battle may be legal. You know, we see in the book of Acts, followers of Jesus thrown into jail for their testimony. Why? It's happening now with us in America. My guest, Dr. Doug Groteis, we're talking about the occult. Hopefully when we come back, we're going to give you some strategies um, that you can think about. Um, we, Dr. Doug touched on the armor of God. I'm going to have him talk a little bit about dealing with with the supernatural when we come back in the short time that we have left. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Dracy. Joining me is Dr. Doug Groteis. We've been talking about the occult, and I wanted to um, sort of bend the conversation, if you will, Doug, to um, maybe some some thoughtful um, strategies that we could employ to when we're faced, you know, we, we have family members, we have people, we have people in our lives who find themselves caught up in the occult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, even in the popular culture where we read about this guy who chops the head off of Baphomet, throws it in the garbage. What, what's interesting to me as a culture, how we're going to respond in the sense of, um, I'll, I'll just give you my quick assessment. Mm-hmm. Committing crimes is illegal. But if you commit a crime, then you you have to do the time. But if I'm the governor of the state of Iowa, I'm going to give him a full pardon. I'm giving him a full pardon, and I'm going to say, you know what? As the governor of the state of Iowa, when that Navy veteran took the oath of office, he swore to uphold the Constitution, and he swore to God. He didn't swear to Satan. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm ready politically or culturally, to acknowledge Satan's supremacy in the life of the government or in the life of us as a people. I think that's the way I would have handled it. Right. Well, there's some interesting issues here because we do have the freedom of religion in in the United States, the First Amendment. But the, the first mistake that was made was giving the temple, the satanic temple status as a religion. Right. Because they do, they're atheists. Right. They don't believe in God or a spiritual dimension to existence. They're atheists who are inspired by Satan as the ultimate rebel and hero. So the mistake was granting them religious status. They have it, though. Right. So if you go in and destroy their idol in the Capitol, as this gentleman did, Michael Cassidy, 
I think he did the right thing in two ways. He destroyed it, and then he submitted to, to being arrested. Right. That's civil disobedience. That's what Martin Luther King did and his followers. They'd break the law in these sit-ins. And he and goes to the Birmingham jail. Exactly, and they'd go to jail. Now, a revolutionary is somebody who breaks the law and runs. Mm-hmm. A resistor is somebody who breaks the law and submits to make a point. But this is symbolically just so powerful and so terrible about our country that mm-hmm. someone who destroys a statue, an idol of Satan, is charged with a hate crime. Yeah, that that you know? that just yeah. Again, the the there. I know you said you always have your philosopher's hat on. That's right. And so when people put those two words together, Satan, or three words now, Satan and hate crime, they link those two mm-hmm. things together. How, how in the world can we have a conversation because the word Satan loses all meaning, hate loses all meaning, crime loses all mm-hmm. meaning? Well, I'm actually skeptical about the category of hate crime. I think it was a mistake Mm -hmm. to define a separate category of hate crime because then you have to go inside the person's consciousness and ask, was this motivated by a particular kind of hate for a minority group or a minority sexual group or something? I just say certain things should be crimes. Libel is a crime. Slander is a crime. Stealing is a crime. Forget about the hate part of it. That's really taking us down the wrong road because... You have to then determine the subjective state of the person, which is difficult to do, and then it becomes extremely ideological. Like during Mm -hmm. the break, we're saying, who gets convicted of a hate crime against Abraham Lincoln or against the American founders or against the Constitution? Nobody. And what about all the the, uh, statues that were destroyed in 2020 in the riots? How many of those people were even arrested? Let alone charged. Let alone charged, or if they're charged. They might have been let out on bail because the Democratic Party raised money to get him out on bail. It's a fact. But, you know, if you come after a Satan statue, well, you're in trouble. You committed a hate crime. It's telling. It's really a telling and sad situation. But I think it's good to to focus on the answer to all this. And during the break, we were talking about the work of our Lord Jesus Christ and the book of Colossians. The theme of Colossians is the supremacy of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. over every part of reality, visible, invisible, everything. Powers, principalities, thrones. Exactly, yeah. So 2, 14, and 15. Actually, I'll start at 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. Verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it all out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So we are forgiven through the atoning work of Jesus. The law no longer condemns us. But 15 adds another dimension to Christ's saving work, which is equally significant. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them in triumphing over them in it. So he made a public spectacle of the principalities and powers through his atoning death on the cross. That, and then we also know through the resurrection. That word disarmed is very interesting in the original language, Doug. Mm. It means stripped and rendered impotent. Mm. So it was a word mm. that was used to describe the victor stripping the opponent of their armor and rendering them incapable of causing right. further harm. 
And I, I think that that's interesting mm-hmm. because, again, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, you know, some people think they have to go to a seminar or they have to vomit demons or they have to have deliverance. But the, the New Testament writer says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It doesn't right. seem that you have to have that, – that, that the Bible is giving us a, 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 that, that we have the tools necessary to both submit to God and resist the devil with the idea that he will, in fact, flee. Mm-hmm. Well, there's – what you might call everyday spiritual warfare. Right. Where you resist the devil, you resist, you resist evil thoughts, you resist the flesh, you don't pay heed to false philosophies of the new age or the occult or some false religion. But I think in some cases people have become demonized to a pretty strong degree, and in that case they might need someone who has a, del- a deliverance ministry mm-hmm. uh, to help them come out of that through confessing their sin and exercising faith. But that's not all that common. And for most Christians, it's a matter of living by the truth of Scripture, Mm -hmm. staying in fellowship, being in prayer, knowing the Scripture, and taking that stand. Put Put on the full armor of God that you can resist the evil one. And it's not us. It's not my strength or my intelligence. It's Christ. So 1 John 4, 4, greater is the one who is in you, meaning Christ, than the one who is in the world, meaning the false teachers, the false prophets, Satan, demons. Greater is the one who is in you than he that is in the world. That has meant so much to me for 46 years. Right wow. early on when I became a Christian, I somehow read that, thought about that, and that's been a big part of my spiritual vocabulary and repertoire ever since. First John 4, 4. Every, every Christian should memorize that. Mm-hmm. Another one every Christian needs to memorize is Romans 8, 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I love that. There is no condemnation. He uses a judicial term. Condemnation is a a Roman judicial term, which means to render a verdict of guilt based on crimes committed. Mm -hmm. And um, Right. We read in Colossians 2 that the law no longer condemns us. So Scripture fits together so perfectly, every bit of it fits into an intellectual and moral and spiritual system that we can rely on, depend on, and teach, preach, and write about, and get out into the world. Can you say amen, brother? Amen. All right. And just quickly, people can still go to Amazon and get the first two books that you wrote. They're still available, Unmasking the New Age, Unmasking the New Age, Age and Confronting the New Age. Yeah. Unmasking the New Age, Confronting the New Age. If memory serves me correctly, it was published by Harvest. No, InterVarsity. InterVarsity. Yep. Dr. Doug Grotheis, thanks for being my guest. You are welcome. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back taking your calls, answering your questions. Thanks so much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.